Today's scripture passage comes from 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 10 through 20. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 10 through 20. Would you please stand with me for the reading of God's word? Hear now the word of the Lord. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like shadow without hope. Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, statutes, and decrees and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided. Then David said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down prostrating themselves before the Lord and the King. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you for those testimonies, and especially for Missionary Hannah for sharing her testimony. Um, before I go on, I just wanted to, I just was reminded when she gave us the challenge, um, my grandpa, he passed away, I think, uh, 2007. 2007, December, he was 88. And um, I think I shared this once before, but during the time of the Korean War, he was escaping and he was running. He was running down south. And, you know, they would bomb, they would shell wherever area, and then you would hear alarms. So if you heard an alarm, you would just have to get up, grab whatever you could and just run um, because who knew what would happen to that area. So that stayed with him for the rest of his life. I mean, he was a preacher. He had a church in Korea and then he had a church... In, um, in Elmhurst, um, Regal Park in Queens, if you know where that is in Queens. And so every once in a while, my grandpa would wake up gasping for air. He would just be sleeping and then be like, 
and he would just wake up, it's because he would, he would be dreaming about his past, about him running away. And that, that's, that's our history. Uh, if you're a Korean-American, if you're Korean, um, it's, a, it's, it's part of who we are. And I think, I think Missionary Hannah hit it on, on the dot. We ought to continue praying for North Korea. We ought to be, continue. We should continue to pray for um, our brethren and all the people in the world as well that don't know Christ and just so thankful that the Kazakhstan team came back too. I think many of you were surprised too. If you know Jason, you probably never understood a word and, you know, because he has such a deep voice. Hey, Jason, how are you? And he would just respond. And he's like, what? It's like, okay, I think I kind of made out what he said. But he came up here, and he was just like, oh, here we are. And just like, who is this guy? And so I was like, wow, God changed him. <laughs> and uh, I know it was a great time. Uh, once again, if you feel a conviction to serve God, wherever it may be, and the only thing keeping you back is fear, then, then that can't be the right reason to hold back. You know, we need to be obedient to what God is calling us to do. And then you're free, truly free, because God will empower you and be with you and show you things you would have never seen before. So if we are a church, let's be a church that's obedient to God's call, wherever it may be. That being said, we, our mission trips are coming up. And we have one right after Easter uh, to Mexico. This is where we minister to the Jovenes, our young people in Mexico, train them to be missionaries themselves. And it's been successful over the last many years. If you are interested, come talk to me. Come talk to Hannah. Uh, It's going to be from March 20th to April 4th, just a week, seven days after Easter. And we would love to have you serve in this capacity. After service today, also, I just want to mention that we have a luncheon for anybody new. But instead of saying newcomers, if you don't know who I am or just want to, get, just want to ask me a question or Pastor Esther or any of the deacons, we want to know something about the church, or you haven't seen me in a while, you're just like, you know, I want to have the sushi that you have back in that room, then join me back in the pastor's office um, I think there's some snacks. I'm not sure if there's sushi, but that would be great if there is. So, you know, um, so we have that in the back after the service. We are going through a worship series, and I kind of plug in a tiny bit of the next sermon in the previous sermon. So I don't know if you got that, but last week we were taught and we learned through the book through the Bible, that worship is humble submission to God's will. Worship is humble submission to God's will. And then we touched upon acclamation. And today we talk about praising God. So during this time, we see David and his final speech, his final prayer, his final praise. And we want to kind of dissect it a little bit and see what's in it and see how we can learn and grow from it as well. But there are three things that we'll touch upon. The problem, the provision, and the praise. The problem, the provision, and the praise. 
And I looked at this over and over again, and I saw so much more. You know, there's the promise, there's the practice, there's so many P's, but we'll just talk about three today. The problem, the provision, and the praise. What's the problem? The problem is David's going to die. Israel never had it so good. We never had it so good as when this person was president, this person was king, this person was pastor, this person was our boss. We never had it so good. And you know why it was important that David came out? And if you look at the beginning of the chapter 2, he immediately mentions Solomon. He says, Solomon, he's your king. And in the latter part, which is not part of the passage today, in the latter part of the chapter, it says Solomon was reinstated a second time. He had to do it again. It's okay, and I understand. Sometimes God does use a bridge between us and him. Isn't that true? God uses a bridge between us and him, meaning this. When we were down and out in our faith, when we were having a problem, someone helped us get closer to God. Did they not? Didn't God use someone to help us to get closer to God? And we were having um, an episode. When I wasn't doing well in my faith, God would raise up someone so that I would be reminded that God is there for me. It could be your parents, it could have been your peer, it could have been your pastor, your teacher. It could be someone random that you would have never expected. But God uses that person to bring us or remind us about who he is. You'll have to forgive me, I have this cold, it's weird. So every once in a while, I'll just go down and grab a drink of water. <clears throat> you never know these days. It's like black, what's in there? But it's water, I assure you. Um, Israelites, the Israelites thought of David as this bridge. If you look in the past, they were always fighting. And people would conquer them. And God would send a judge. And then they would be free for just a little bit. And they would sin again and they'd be conquered again. And this would happen over and over again. In one lifetime, you could have multiple oppressors, multiple judges to save you for a short time. And then you would go back into that. But David, throughout his whole lifetime, Israel knew peace, and they grew richer and richer. In fact, in the census that he took, which God really was angry about, uh, he took a census, and there was about a million, according to scholars, a million three hundred thousand fighting men in Israel when he took the census. That means there were about five million people in Israel at the time. It grew, it expanded, it exploded. It was prosperous. But here's the problem. The problem is David is going to die. His reign will pass to another. We're not sure what's going to happen after. But David was saying something very important at the time. He was saying Here's what I'm going to offer. If you look in the beginning of the chapter, here's what I'm going to offer. I'm going to offer all this gold, this iron, all these material to build a temple. What are you going to do? And the people came and said, I'm going to give you this as well. What does that mean? He is saying that 
If you constantly need me as a bridge, and this is the ultimate, ultimate message here, if you constantly need a bridge to get to God, doesn't that bridge become an idol? If we constantly need a bridge to get to God, it becomes an idol. And it always has for all of man, all of humanity. God was not tied to the ark. In fact, we see later on, if you continue reading the Bible, God was not tied to the temple. God is not tied to anything. If we want God tied to something, then in the end you have to wonder, what is it that you really want? Isn't it a genie? I really want God to do this for me, so I will make sure I do these things so that God will hear. And you can make anything into an idol, anything, and everything has been an idol, And if we say we need to pray so that we see where our church is going, people can actually literally take prayer and put that as an idol. They could. What's the idea and what's the purpose of prayer? Isn't prayer to seek God, seek his will so that we could do it? But people could just do the motion of prayer. I'm going to come out. I'm going to feel the emotions. I'm going to pray. And then in the end, what is it that we want? In the end, what is it that we want? We want God to answer our prayer. God, I prayed, I did these things. Why aren't my prayers getting answered? I can't, I can't do it anymore. I, I did the things that I needed to do, and you're not answering me. And, and what is that really saying? Isn't that saying that you want a genie more than God? All throughout the Bible, God has not been housed in one thing. God cannot be contained because God is God. But here we are again doing the same things. Oh, you want to be a deacon? Then come out and pray. (laughs) And then you have people praying. Why are they praying? Only God knows. Honestly, only God knows. Sometimes he opens my eyes. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) It's time for a water break. That's the same thing as saying, I want the rice pudding. I don't want my mom. If you were here for last week. I want the things that you give me, but I don't want you. Does that make sense? And sometimes some people say, why doesn't that make sense? I just need this in my life, and then I'm golden. I'm good. I just need this. Does that make sense? Well, a lot of the hyperbole or the metaphors that are used in the Bible has to do with marriage. Jesus and the church is like a marriage. When a husband and wife love each other, it's glorifying God. If we go outside of the confines of marriage and do all these things, God calls it sin. And then we come here and challenge that. We're like, oh, so archaic. This is so old. I was in um, Starbucks. I had to take my mom to the hospital uh, this past week, she has to get a three-month checkup uh, for her kidneys. And every three months, my dad would usually take her, but my dad was away, so I took her this, this time. And I was waiting in a Starbucks for her, and the, it was packed. I guess in Manhattan, everything's packed. And um, I heard these two women talking. They were really loud. So even in a packed Starbucks, 
these two women were really loud, so I couldn't help but to overhear what they were talking about. I found out these were two Jewish women who were studying the Torah, or the Pentateuch, uh, the first five books of the Bible, and they were just laughing at it. They were talking about how archaic and old it was. If you wanted to divorce someone, you have to say, I divorce you three times. Ah, ha, ha. And they were just laughing. It's like, do I go in? Oh, no, oh, I shouldn't. You know? So I was, just, I was just sitting there listening. And it's pretty amazing because a bunch of us, a lot of people in our church, through the, because of this new year, we decided to do um, the 90-day Bible reading. Some of us are doing the year Bible reading which is great, continue to do it. And I had just passed that part. So I was like, wow, I just read it too. And what was amazing to me is that sometimes it's revealed and sometimes it's not. And the things that Jesus said just started to come alive. Those who have ears, may they hear. And that's my prayer for this church. If you have ears, hear. Does it make sense if someone came up to, let's say, a single lady here, we have a few. If someone came up to some single lady here and said, I want to marry you because I love you, a lot of people would be like, aw. But you, would you naturally ask, why? Why do you love me? And then the guy goes, because when I look at your trust fund, I get so excited. Because your dad can help me network so well. My business, my startup can explode. I love you. <laughs> Would that person feel loved is the question. Would they be flattered, be like, yes, I'm so happy I have my trust fund. I'm so happy I have my father. Isn't that weird? Isn't that wrong? And yet, why do we think it's wrong when we go to God and we God, I love you so much because I love what you do for me. I love your trust fund, Jesus. I love the fact that I can network with you wherever you go. And God says, no, I will not answer those prayers. I will not be put in a box. I will not be contained. I am not a genie. I am God. In the 90-day Bible reading, I'm, I'm up to 1 Samuel, and I just finished it. But one interesting part in 1 Samuel chapter 4 is this. Israelites were constantly fighting the Philistines. The Philistines were more advanced technologically. They were stronger. If you continue to read, they had Goliath later on, who was six cubits high. I don't know exactly what that was, like eight-something feet. And the wingspan was the same. So if the wingspan is the same as the height, you know that's his legitimate height. He's not just putting on stilts. Or in Korean, they call it kalchang. But I don't know how, you could, how tall you could be with like, inserts in your shoes. But they were constantly fighting the Philistines. And this one time, they went up against the Philistines, and they lost 3,000 men in one battle. They didn't understand why. First Samuel chapter 4. And they didn't understand why. So what they did was they sent men to Shiloh to get the Ark of the Covenant. This is the Holy Covenant Ark of God. 
God would be so angry if someone touched it that that wasn't ordained to touch it, that he would kill them on the spot. And you see all these things happen. So people revered the ark. So what did, what did they do? They went up and sent men to Shiloh. They got the Ark of the Covenant and they brought in the, the Ark of the Covenant into their camp and Ebenezer and the people of Israel just shouted. They went, raw! They were so excited. They were so elated. God is not with us. How can we lose? They did everything they thought was in the formula. And when the Philistines heard it, they were, they were shocked and they were scared. And they, what are we going to do? They have a God fighting on their side. What are we going to do? And then the Philistine leaders riled up and roused up their army and said, look, even though they have a God with them in their army, we cannot lose. Otherwise, we'll be subject to them just like we subjected them. So we need to fight. That day when they fought, did the Israelites win or lose? They lost. They lost such a horrible horrible loss that they didn't lose 3,000, 4,000 men. They lost 30,000. And that ravaged Israel. They were confused. We brought the Ark of the Covenant. That's a holy thing, isn't it? I did all the things in the formula that I thought was right. Why aren't you with us? God will not be put in a box. The question then we go into is provision. How will God then provide? Who will God then provide? When the Lord promises to establish David's throne forever, he knew something. David realized something. Even in the psalm, he said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand and I will make an enemy your footstool. He was saying something. He was saying the provision that is truly my provision is myself. It's me. It's the relationship. It is a connection between God. Why do we pray? Why do we gather together? Why do we worship God? It's not so that we can get things. It's not so that we can get rice pudding. It's so that we can get God. It's so that we can have a relationship with the one true God. And the amazing thing is, is that God wants that. He wants a relationship with his people. Even though he doesn't have to. That's why David is like, who am I? In the book of Hebrews, the Hebrew author is like, who are we? That you'll be mindful of us. The people that really get to have a relationship with God, we're dumbfounded because we can only exclaim, who are we that you would think of us? Aren't we so fallen? Every week we have to come and have a, have a prayer of confession because every week, if I'm honest with myself, I've sinned greatly, greatly. Even bearing the name of Jesus, I've sinned. Who am I that you would be mindful of us? But he doesn't focus on us. We aren't the focus. The focus is God. The relationship that we are to have, the provision, the ultimate provision, is not God being the genie, it's God being God. Um, it leads us into the last point. Praise. 
Praise can be looked at many different ways. In fact, when a worship leader or praise leader comes up here and they say, let's worship God, they really mean we're going to sing songs of praise. But it means even more than just that. So in the idea of worship and praise, there is another word that comes up here that comes up continually in the Old Testament as well. But the word is consecrate. What is consecration? In verse 5, he says, Who then will offer willingly consecrating himself today to the Lord? David is saying, Who then will come and praise God? Who then will come and willingly consecrate themselves to God? He He doesn't say, Who then? Now that we know that God is the ultimate provision, we need to respond, don't we? We need to respond by doing something. So why don't you respond by opening up your wallets and why don't you respond by, you know, giving money? He doesn't say that. Instead, David says, who then will consecrate themselves to the Lord? And after that question, people give. So giving doesn't completely encompass uh, consecration, but consecration, there is giving involved. Toward the end of what Jung read today, David says in verse 19, And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, statutes, and decrees. That is consecration. If you want to consecrate yourself, it's to give everything that you have to God. What God really wants from us is for us to give everything to God. To God, Not because he wants to just gloat it over and lord it over over us. Even though he has every right to do so. He has every right to ask of his creation to do whatever he wants. But you will see that God is the one that first gave up everything to us. Showing us the way. Praise is incredibly important. Consecrating ourselves is incredibly important. C.S. Lewis writes this, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. You see, once we consecrate ourselves, we're so scared at first. Oh, if I give up everything, what's going to happen to my family? If I give up everything, what about these things? But don't you see, what we are being taught is once you give up everything, then your joy is made complete. That's what we were made to do. We were made to be people of praise. Not to praise what he has made, but to praise the creator himself. And once we praise the creator himself, then our joy is complete in him. And we become complete people. John Wesley was about 21 years of age when he went to Oxford University He came from a Christian home and he was gifted with a keen mind and good looks. Yet in those days he was a bit snobbish and sarcastic. One night, however, something happened that set in motion a change in Wesley's heart. While speaking with a porter, he discovered that the poor fellow only had one coat and lived in such impoverished 
conditions that he didn't have a bed. Yet he was an unusually happy person, filled with gratitude to God. Wesley, being immature, thoughtlessly joked about the man's misfortunes. And he goes, oh, and what else do you thank God for? He said that with that touch of sarcasm. The porter smiled and in the spirit of meekness replied with joy. I thank him that he has given me my life and being a heart to love him and above all a constant desire to serve him. Deeply moved, Wesley recognized that this man knew the meaning of true thankfulness. Many years later, in 1791, John Wesley lay on his deathbed at the age of 88. Those who gathered around him realized how well he had learned the lesson of praising God in every circumstance. Despite Wesley's extreme weakness, he began singing the hymn, I'll praise my maker while I have breath. A body isn't crippled until the heart has ceased giving praise. We are a people made to respond to God's goodness in praise, in joy, with gratitude. Let's remember what he has done and let us be a church, let us be a body that gives God the praise that he deserves. Let's pray at this time. Let's respond to the word by reflecting on our own lives. What has God done for you? Has he not given you all the things that you have needed, all the things that you are wearing now, the clothes on your back, the shelter that you are living in, the food that you have eaten? Has he not provided for you up until this very point in your life that you are able to sit here and listen to the word of God? Does he not deserve the praise of your hearts? So with your hearts, give him the praise. With your hearts, praise his glorious name the glorious name of Jesus by whom we are saved by whom our wretchedness is taken away by whom we will live eternally with God forever let's take this time to reflect and to pray